0: Lamp podcast. I'm Andrew McGregor, and with each installation of this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes. Catch it on Stitcher Radio or other services along those lines on your smartphones or wherever you like. So, if you're listening to this podcast, I bet that you want to be the best tarot reader that you can possibly be. And lucky for you, I run some of the most amazing online tarot classes going. Serious world-class teachers whose names you will recognize from all the books and things that they have written and published, who are truly experts in the field uh, or in the topic that we are focused on for the classes. So whether you're looking for foundations to learn the Tarot de Marseille, to learn psychology, or whether you're looking to uh, build a spiritual or tarot-related business, I've got some astounding classes. Head on over to thehermitslamp.com, click on the events tab, and check them all out. Your reading skill will improve just from looking at them. So welcome to another installment of the Hermit's Lamp Podcast. I am here with uh, Ryan Edward, and uh, Ryan is a talented artist, uh, talented cartomancer, and uh, and a design and advertising kind of person. So given that people might not know who you are, why don't you give us like a, a quick intro to who you are and how you came into reading cards.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you said, I'm a designer, illustrator, art director um, in my day job. So that's always been you know, a core passion in my life. Um, and then as far as where tarot kind of started coming into play with that, uh, cards and all those things. Um, it was about four or five years ago, uh, 2012, I was kind of smack dab in my Saturn return, if you will. And um, going back to, I guess, like childhood, I always had, you know, instances where I had had run-ins with tarot, but I grew up in a very evangelical family. So, you know, that was kind of very forbidden fruit. And while it was maybe intriguing to me, I never really dived into it. And then um, once my Saturn return came along, went through some life changes, Uh, my mother had passed. I don't have a father, I don't have grand, my grandparents had passed. So I was just kind of like on my own and kind of really just reevaluated my whole life and maybe some of the passions that I was intrigued about, but never really got to act upon. Mm. Um, So, and like many designers at that time, I was always looking for a side project, you know, a passion project, if you will. Mm And at that time, I was working with this concept of heaven and earth and what's that, you know, cross section in between. And I just, it's a very abstract concept, but that's what I wanted to try and evoke with design project, whatever that was. At the time, that kind of involved into this um, astronomy illustrations, not so much astrology, but... Um, all the exoplanets we've been finding, I was really interested in that and started um, finding these worlds that we know that exist, we can't have pictures of, and then took scientific data and started working those into illustrations. So that was you know, something that was working for me and it just wasn't going very well. So at the time, I reached out to, coincidentally, a tarot reader, a local one, and um, she did a reading for me, you know, sort of about the subject. And she saw, Ryan, I see you doing something, something different. It's something you're going to be really passionate about. and something you're going to be really successful in. Uh, but it's not exactly the project you're working now. It's tangential to that in some regard. So didn't really know what that was. Um, and took a couple weeks after that. And then it was actually on St. Patrick's Day, 2012 uh, where I just had a voice. I was driving in my car and it pretty much just said, get a tarot deck. And that was really about it. I don't identify with spirit guys. Not to say I don't have them. I just, I haven't formed that relationship or that vocabulary yet. Mm -hmm. Um, so I literally took a U-turn in my car, went to the local indie bookstore who unfortunately didn't have any decks. They kind of raised an eyebrow when I even asked if they had a deck. um, which was really disappointing. It was one, it was a local indie bookstore that I re- was really adamant in supporting. I was like, well, sorry. Um, you kind of made me act like a fool for asking. So the next day, I just went to Barnes Noble, uh, picked up the Rider Wade and the yellow deck. It was what I had at least recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, started playing with it and started thinking, well, maybe I could, maybe this is it. You know, maybe I can take these illustrations and use this as a catalyst for something. Not mm-hmm. sure really what that was. So fast forward a few years, illustrations develop deck ideas kind of wax and waned and um, landed on first starting with the Lenormand that is just now out. So that's, you know, the very long and short of, you know, four or five year journey basically mm-hmm. that I'm at. So I'm still very green in relation to, definitely many of the people you've had on the podcast. But, um, yeah, still, so, still getting acclimated if you will.
0: Well, but you know, I think that, um, being a designer and, mm-hmm. and having, you know, cause I mean, I have a background in design and advertising exactly. right? I and mean, that's what I right. did after, after art school, I started doing that and did that for a number of years before getting out of that field and getting into the tarot field. And, you know, I think that being a designer and speaking that visual language, tarot is tarot, Lenormand, whatever you want is a natural extension of that, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean certainly certainly if you're doing web stuff which is which is often even more codified and sort of symbol driven, but but even before that, you know, when you're doing ads for you know, I don't know like I think about the, the, the one of the last campaigns I worked on which was this campaign for Smirnov's vodka you know and uh, everything in the ad was a codified symbol of something right yeah nothing exactly and nothing in the photo shoot itself for it not not the people not how they were dressed not the table not the background none of it was by accident right everything was no. cultivated towards a feel right right and you know and then and then everything else that surrounds it is created towards that and so I think if you're swimming in that language and then you're looking at at tarot or Lenormand or any of these things um, you can be like okay so everything here means something and and overall it creates something you know and and that makes it really really easy for people to apply that language.
1: Yeah I think that's a very good point I can don't want to name names but I think there's at least been five people on your podcast yourself that have A background in graphic design specifically Mm -hmm. and so I think there is yeah that natural fit and I always kind of put it in the terms of when I was working or when I still work in advertising we get a creative brief which is like you know posing that question and then you take those words and then you have to use images to elicit a message elicit a response Mm -hmm. and I always looked at that as like when I found tarot as a way to reverse engineer that I'm now taking images and then transf you know, translating those into words. So to me, those kind of played off each other and it was a way to understand that whole larger concept from both angles. I thought,
0: you know, mm-hmm. well, and both aspects are also intuitive, right? Exactly. Because yeah. as much as, uh, art directors, some art directors that I worked with would like to say that they, they cognitively created the thing. No, it's not true. No. They, they yeah. struck upon a feeling and then they've built the arguments. They, they've expressed what arrived intuitively in, mm-hmm. in an art, in a uh, you know, way to sway people to convince them of its value. You know? Yeah. You come up with that rationale after the fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. Um, so what, what about the Lenormand drew you in? Oh,
1: well, it was really interesting because I picked up tarot and Lenormand, you know, just six months apart. And it was interesting to, you know, pick up cards and start to acclimate to this cartoon and as a whole, right when Lenormand was kind of having its resurgence and everybody was, so what was new to me was also new to them. Mm. Um, and what I liked more specifically was just maybe the bite size bits of information with Lenorman and just the way that I relate them to emoji and just that really some, I don't want to say simplistic, cause that implies that it's too simple, but just this, um, simple way of stringing images to create sentences and really what gravity? Like, really, what was the flip switch? Was learning how descriptive Lormen can be, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that there are words that have very specific adjectives, colors, shy, sizes, shapes, and speeds, and all of those things. Um, I don't want to, you know, separate that too much from Tarot because I think there is a lot of that in Tarot, specifically, you know, how I read the Marseille.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there is other ways to, you know, extrapolate that type of information. But, um, outside of that, I think it was also just, it was this preserved piece of old world cotomancy that really hasn't been built on with all this esoterica. Mm. And so, um, at the time I was, when I was with tarot, I was really trying to go back and go back. I started with the Rider weight and well... So, understand the writer' weight. I felt like I had to understand what the Golden Dawn was doing, and then started understanding like how Crowley approached things. And I've said this a couple times, and people kind of raise an eyebrow, but Crowley was kind of my introduction to those old world techniques. And granted, there's a whole world of Crowley I haven't delved as deeply into. uh, When we're talking about how certain cards get certain, you know, connotations or meanings. But, um, when you looked at the opening of the key and card counting and specifically elemental dignities where, you know, this suit next to this suit means something specifically, you know, card meaning side, those negate, relate, you know, emphasize, yeah, build, build it
0: up, undermine it.
1: Oppose yeah, it. And, yeah. And I started seeing the, the cross section there and I think it's, in the Book of Thoth, and I could be absolutely wrong about this. I hope I'm not. Um, where he specifically gives an example of the Hierophant next to the three of Disc. And he said this, depending on context, could be building of a large army or it could be building of a church. And just the way that he read, you know, three of disc which has to do with build and work, mm-hmm. and then the hierophant which has to do with the church, that was a very Lenormand style combination I was grasping from that Mm -hmm. and so that's where the lights kind of went off and I was like well maybe to understand all these esoteric decks you know if I'm trying to go through this whittle down approach this made sense at the time um but yeah I I love it I love that I love the tableau Mm -hmm. I'm not big for small little you know small strings I like to see all the Cards and how they relate to each other because I, I'm not one of those that like one card readings or one card positions. This position means this with this one card. I like to see how all the cards relate, and it's more about you know interactions. Are they far apart? Are they close together? Mm-hmm. It, it's looking the bigger picture, which is what the tab you know grand tableau means. It's the big picture of things. Yeah.
0: Well, it's yeah. it's funny because when I discovered Lenormand, I was like, oh, this is how I read tarot cards. Right. You know, and I mean, not exactly. or Like, it's a chunk of how I read tarot cards, you know, and I um, I don't do a grand tableau, but the spread that I work with most has 18 cards on the table. So it's a yeah. lot of cards for most tarot people. And, you know, and and I, I maybe it is because I came out of Crowley is where I learned my tarot stuff is from studying his material first and mm-hmm. foremost, right? And so making those connections and, as you say, the elemental... Or the the relationships between the suits and the the majors and and the way in which that informs stuff is very mm-hmm. very linear and very straightforward and you know and and it, it bypasses I mean it's the the thing about the way that I've learned tarot was I basically just read the toth over and over and over and over and over again until right. I felt like I understood it and then I read it some more and realized I didn't understand it and read it again you yeah, know I mean like right. I, I honestly I might have read it like I don't know forty times now you know and 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 by that, I mean, like, cover to cover, right? Like, not just, not just, like, referring to it, but, like, I would just sit down regularly and just read the whole thing from start to finish. And that stuff predates the contemporary tarot movement, right? I mean, it predates all of that 60s influx of psychology and all that other stuff, which is tremendous and really helpful, but is just, you know, is one piece of the pie as opposed to the whole pie.
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. Definitely look at that as like a school of tarot, or Mm. you know, definitely a school of thought, if you will. And I think there's this common, I don't say misperception or misconnotation, but that that is what tarot is, you know, that's the box that tarot is. And I, you know, I feel like if you go back further, you realize no, you know, these things are much more closely related than I think that we give them credit for.
0: Sure. Well, it can be, I mean, it's it becomes a question of who you are and how you work, right? Mm -hmm. And from my point of view, you know, and so if you're, if you're a psychology driven person, then it's probably going to, then it might drift more in that direction. You know, I mean, uh, James Wallace is a great example of that, you know, ask questions, let them answer, you know, look at the cards, direct the conversation. And, you know, that's really fruitful for a lot of people. Mary Greer is very much that way. Right. Exactly. But Mary's an interesting example because then she also reads the Normand where she is the opposite. Right. Right. You know, and so I think that that you know you get into the the people who have different approaches and different tools, mm-hmm. and then for me being sort of also so magically inclined, you know, there comes that level which which also sort of drifts back to sort of more old approaches or like reading playing card kind of ideas and these things, and you know, so yeah,
1: right. I think yeah, with that. Not, and again, not to discount the psychological approach to reading that's totally worthwhile i've you know i've had readings with Joan james and you know got quite a bit out of it that's just not my style you know mm-hmm. and that's totally you know that's just kind of where it is so i think it's just the matter of when we use the these big sweeping generalizations of mm-hmm. what you know tarot is and isn't is when it starts to run me the wrong way a little bit totally um i yeah, think I, mean, I
0: think we can all agree Tarot is awesome. Of course, yeah. <laughs> that that can be how we define it. What is tarot? It's awesome. It's awesome yeah. in the box. Hmm. So it's interesting because you're one of the people who sort of in in my I don't know, my my part of the tarot world, which is like Marseille-based stuff, you right. know. And so, what was was it the search for something? more at the root of it or like what was, what motivated your, your journey towards that?
1: Well, that's kind of funny. Um, I got my first Marseille, um, about one year after I got my first deck, the Rider way. Okay. And at the time it just felt like, like it was an obligation. Like if I am studying these things and I am building the small collection of essentials, the Marseille is definitely a piece of that. Mm-hmm. So um, I got it not really knowing, you know, what the heck to do with it at the time. Um, I started Googling, what do I do with Marseille Pips? <laughs> you know, um, uh-huh. do they have specific meetings? Is it this? And and the answer I found out, it's all of those things, right? Um, you could do it different ways depending on your technique. And it is much more, um, it's less in a box that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it, was, it was this slower acclimation for Marseille. And it was, that's when I started, you know, uh, found Camille Elias as a teacher. And so she really kind of honed in those, um, a, a framework that I could work with, mm-hmm. um, you know, understanding it's less about what the cards mean and more about what the cards are doing. And I, you know, that's a philosophy I, again, I approach to all Cards, Lenormand playing cards, everything. It's, what are these cards doing in this instance, under this context? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, Teron, like, say, Marseille and Lenormand, they may have some small nuances and techniques and maybe specifically the vocabulary, but they are, to me, very direct, straightforward, you know, cut-through-the-BS type oracles. And that's why I find them very useful together. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 interesting how, I mean, it's possible to do this with anything, but it's interesting how, what I hear a lot about people who get into Merced style readings is they're like, it's just so straightforward, you know? Yeah. And the, the sort of reading a sweep of cards and being like, you know, here's, here's the sentence that it means. Right. You know, not unlike Lenormand. Um, and then you can go from there, right? Whether you need mm-hmm. to talk about it more, whether you want to, you know, then have a 30-minute conversation about that sentence, because sometimes there's a lot to say about that sentence, right? Yeah. Um But, yeah, I think it's I think it's very fascinating. Which was your first uh, first Marseille deck?
1: It was uh, the Piantic one. Okay. Um, it's one that kind of sits on the shelf if I haven't given it away yet. Um, it it was good. It just, um, once I fell in love with the Dodal and the Mars, uh, excuse me, the Noble. um, that was really it for me. I think I have maybe one or two kind of offshoots of those, but those are definitely what I gravitate towards. The Dodal is my favorite by Mm -hmm. far. Yeah. Um, I love the, just the, the ruggedness of it, you know, the really folksy approach to it and the super simple, you Mm -hmm. know,
0: yeah, and if you're if you're just getting into Marseille decks, and this is something newer for you, the thing that you might want you might help you because I struggled to understand this for a little bit, was is that when we're referring to decks, um, we're usually referring to the artist who is also usually the publisher, historically. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, Noble is Jean Noble, who was this uh, this who published this deck. That uh, that I think is the pinnacle of Marseille um, styles. Uh, it's one of the earliest ones. Um, yep. Other people prefer the Conver, which is a, a late style and kind of the culmination of it. And the Dodal mm-hmm. sits sort of in the middle between those two points. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but they're all named after the people who made them. I had the, uh, for, I don't even know, I can't remember how you say it now, Cuvos. One oh, that yeah. was out, which which was a you know, I don't know, it was a U.S. Games or a Llewellyn one, and uh, yeah, my what happened for me was my guy just kind of leaned in and be like, "You should start try that one, get that one," and I was like, yeah. "All right, I could do that." And then I didn't really like it um, because it's to be honest, it's kind of one of the, it's one of the least appealing to me graphical versions of it. I think the artwork isn't uh, as tight as I would like or yeah, as it, or as rustic as i would like it's sort of in the middle that uh you know one one of the things that 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 i carry from design is like make it make it look intentional right if you want it right. to be messy make it messy make people know yeah. that you made a messy choice right if you want it to be like crisp make it crisp and let people know you made that choice yeah. for me this deck kind of floats in the middle you know but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so how many decks do you own? I feel like <laughs> I feel like if, if that's not too uh, too personal question, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm often seeing all these like wonderful hist- like not just historical but antique decks showing up on your Instagram and other places.
1: Yeah, every time <laughs> I get one, I like to post. Um, I think it seems like I have a lot more than I actually do. Uh-huh. Um, I'm nowhere near the triple digits. Um, I'd say I have probably fifty to seventy five. Uh Uh, which is still substantial. But, and a lot of those are even playing card decks. So if you know, I'm including those, I use, I use those just the same. Uh Um, So it's about a third of each, but there's probably maybe just a dozen that I keep. Uh, There's two cigar boxes I keep out on our sun porch, which is kind of my reading table. Uh One for the the petite oracles, the playing cards and Normans and Vera Sibilla's and then a, a taller box that has the tarot's. Um, so there's probably about a 12. But yeah, I definitely love, love, love the older decks. If we're talking about decks that were made, you know, since the 20th century, the later half of the 20th century into this century,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it's, I could probably count on my hands, you know, how many of those I have. Um And it it goes, again, it goes back to my interest in finding the roots of where all these oracles started. And, you know, the Petita Teia is one of my favorites. I feel like Mm -hmm. that's, you know, the first fortune-telling-produced deck for that intention. Um, But then also just the feel of them. I, oh, no, there's nothing like old paper in my hands for Uh me. And that's the beauty of it. So,
2: yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think that I own anything that's particularly old. I think that the the oldest thing that I own is... I own a set of um, uh, playing cards that... Uh, they have divination meanings printed on them. And I think they're oh, from okay, like 1904. Yeah. I forget the name of the publisher, but uh, they're probably the oldest thing that I own. Um, but especially because I, I use the hell out of my decks. And uh, so like I... When I recently got the the new uh photo reproduction of the Noble that came out mm-hmm. i uh I put three in the cupboard Because <laughs> so I'm like nice. <laughs> unwrapped like I'm not not to hoard them, you know, not to yeah. sell them later, but just I'm like, this is the best this is my favorite edition that I have seen to date, and I'm I love like it. yeah, and I'm like, if I wear this out and then don't have a replacement, I'm gonna be so unhappy, you know, <laughs> and so I was just like, I'm just gonna stack these in here." And uh, I'll just leave them. And then when this one gets really, you know, really abused, because, you know, I do a lot of readings and, and I let my clients handle the cards and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just like, Pfft. yeah. Yeah.
1: I think I need to do that with my hand screen Dodal, because uh, that is that, that's already after two years is showing a lot of wear on. Yeah. Me. And, that just, and that's kind of like, like I like them like old baseball gloves. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, it's it's got a form to my hand.
0: Mm hmm. Totally. I like that. So what's what's next? What's your what's your creative inspiration? If you can share any of it that's kind of coming down the line for you.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um I have a couple ducks in the work. Uh right now is the the plain Marseille, which just combines two of the things we were talking about. It's a you can call it a pseudo Marseille. It again it defines on how rigid you are with the the term of a
2: Marseille,
1: mm-hmm. um, the, the tr- trumps are pretty traditional. Um, but then for the, the minor arcana, if you will, I use the French suits, hearts, clubs, diamonds, spades. Okay. Because um, to me, again, tarot decks are playing card decks um, uh-huh. and I don't like to differentiate those two too much. And I do apply the same meanings To the four suits of a playing card deck, to the four suits of a Marseille. Right. Um, There might be a little bit difference in the visual interpretations when we're talking rhyming and patterns and whatnot. But uh, to me, those are very similar. So I wanted, yeah, just to create a deck that for maybe people that are interested in the Marseille but aren't as comfortable with playing card curtomancy could, you know, find where their happy medium is. and so, yeah, that's, that's a passion project of mine right now. And it, it kind of relates to the maybe Lenormand, which, again, honored the 52-card playing deck. Mm-hmm. Because that you know that deck, Lenormand, is 36 cards, but I added 16 cards because I wanted a full 52-card optional set, if you will. So that I kind of see them as sister decks mm-hmm. in that they, they both honor that 52-card playing deck. Um, and then there's a few other decks down the down the line that are kind of in the roadmap, if you will, a little less formed. Um, Even though I am interested in the older worlds, I am playing with something that does kind of follow book T, if you will, a more Mm -hmm. golden Dawn inspired one. I think that'll be just a good um, exercise as far as I do have kind of an arm's length with the golden Dawn. And I feel like um, that kind of detachment might, you know, create something a little bit more interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um A few more of and one or two other decks that are, I guess we you would just call them oracles. They're kind of my own invention, right. if you will. So nice. those, those are decks. And then there's some other, other projects that are card related, but maybe aren't decks themselves.
0: Mm. Well, it's funny, fascinating, you know what I mean? Cause like I have, I don't know, six, in the works in one, at one level yeah, or another I, you know I it's imagine like, how you do that well you know i mean i i because i started hand painting um uh this this gnostic based set of majors you know so sort of like uh sort of like gnosticism you know things so you've got like john the baptist in there and you got like um you know like all like all that kind of stuff right and those sort of like mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy all vowel Greek deities and you know, like Greek Gnostic names and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I started hand painting that stuff and then and then I had kids and got too busy and don't have anywhere to leave my pants out, right? So right. so I have like a couple of those done but the and most of the drawings. Um but you know, that that just sort of sits on the shelf as a possibility and, and then I actually found I got a new iPad, so I was going through and reloading stuff onto it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that oral, Oracle deck that I did, like, 16 of 30 cards for. I should really finish oh, wow. that, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So it becomes this, like, you work on stuff, attention floats elsewhere, and, you know, I don't know. I'm Sagittarius, right? So I'm always like, ah, oh, this is kind oh, of boring. Right? I'm like, yeah. what's new? That's new. I'll do this, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, I have uh, always like to focus on one while having another one that I can kind of give myself a break from and switch gears and kind of breathe a little bit. But, yeah, I, my attention span, I kind of just got to focus on one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I'll get lost.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm curious, too, about uh, with we, we talked about the Golden Dawn, we talked about Crowley a bit and stuff. Does does magic play a role in it, or is it more the the symbolism and the thought of it that's your interest in those kind of groups?
1: Oh, I think
0: the the logic
1: behind reading was really what hooked me. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of looked at them as like big trivia puzzles, which is always what I was you know really into as a kid. Always yeah. those mind bender games, um, and that's why you know I really. Approached it, it was this just big puzzle for me to figure out the answer of. Um, magic was not where my head was at now, and it definitely is where my head's at now. Mm-hmm. Or it wasn't where my head was at then, but it is now. Uh-huh. Um, that came a lot through my teacher who introduced a lot of those concepts to me, mm-hmm. and then just finding my own way to interpret it. And, you know, it's, again, to me, that's very much in that cross section of design where we're to me magic is more just about finding the rhymes and things, you know, it's that concept of language as birds. It's as above, so below it's finding how two things relate where their cross section is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like that. That's, um, kind of where I got the, my studio name of inset, you know, it's kind of that idea of a thing within a thing or the crossword crossroads where two things meet. Um, so yeah, I do, I do it in a very, Simple folk style, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, little gestures, little rituals. Nothing too um, advantageous. You don't or, have a fancy you know, robe
0: and a fancy apron and a nothing like that. Solid <laughs> gold wand and a you yeah. know. I do
1: love my candles and you know have some oils um, and do yeah. I like to use cards specifically to devise little rituals um, and actually Lenorman is my go-to for that. Um, really. Mar- Marseille, I've done it with Marseille, and mm-hmm. I get more out of that. But again, it's that descriptive language of the Lenormand with specific adjectives and whatnot. I just did one a couple days ago for the solstice full moon that we had. Yeah. And it was, I just laid five Lenormand cards. It was child, birds, dog, tree, and um, the crossroads. Okay. And to me, I just got a simple, simple little ritual that I performed that night. I just took a firefly, caught it in a jar, walked the jar with my dog Nova down to the crossroads, a block or two away, and released the firefly. Right next to me was a magnolia tree. Asked permission to grab a leaf from that, and just exchanged that firefly with the magnolia leaf, and came home. Um, simple, simple, super simple. I thought Mm -hmm. it fit, uh, that day of the full moon and the solstice. And the ritual to me was just about, you know, appreciating the season that we're about to get. I didn't have any, you know, manifestation goals or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but with just those five simple and cards, I got a very specific, specific and elegant course of action to take from there, you know? Nice. So, um, and I think that's, again, it's where things cross, where where people say, may, you know, tarot is definitely the magical tool and Lenormand is the very mundane one. Mm-hmm. And, again, while I maybe think tarot is more mundane than usual, but, and there's instances where I'm clearly thinking Lenormand it might have a more magical bit mm-hmm. than we're giving it credit for.
0: For sure. So, yeah. Well, I thought for a second you were going to say, well, I went out and found a fox and a scythe and a coffin and I... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Put the fox in the coffin using the scythe, yeah. and now my problems are over. Yeah. Death a to my other, enemies. Whole other approach, right? Yeah,
1: um, but then yeah, there's a whole lot of other things you can maybe get from that different combination.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, well, I, I think it's great because, I, as you say, a lot of people, um, a lot of people create definitions around who they are and how they are. Mm -hmm. and uh and and that extends to the cards right and i think that uh for me the the cards whatever system of cards you're working with they're ultimately a mystery right and you know and and so as a mystery there um there's something that we can't can never define and we ought not to ever limit you know and i think that you know that uh yeah that, that 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 approach is so helpful right i picked it up i picked up that sort of idea from um what's his name e i lilly who was uh who did a lot of work with like l s d and sensory deprivation and stuff like that like yeah, he was yeah, yeah. compatriot of uh you know all of that crew in the sixties right and uh, his statement is uh you know belief is uh, uh, a set of things to be tested to establish a better belief. And then that belief is something to be tested again, you know, in this sort of ever never ending process of like, huh, I believe this to be true. Is it true? Can I prove it? Can I break it down? Can I move forward beyond it? Can I, you know, can I transcend it in one way or another? And, you know, I mean, obviously there, there are in some ways practical and logical limits to that process around certain parts of it. But I think when it comes to spirit divination and magic, I think that the notion of limits ought to be off the table, and the concept of capabilities and skills is maybe a better place to to look at that. Am I capable of that? Do I have the skills for this? And if not, how do I get them? And how do I move beyond into something else?
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I think it's like you say, kind of those limitations that could be opposed that we try and give a little bit more elbow room to that are, you know, kind of think where these hindrances come from on a, a more community basis. You know, it's it's thinking about Lenormand is X and Tarot is Y or, you know, vice versa. And I think once we start to open up those boxes a little bit is where the magic happens a little bit more, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah, you know, I think it was, not to harp on this point, I hope, But um, when I, you know, I said I kind of was introduced to these two decks, you know, within six months, and it was fascinating to me that, so I'm reading up about tarot, and everything I'm reading about tarot is, tarot is anything, it's anything you want it to be, it could be fortune telling, it could be manifestation, it could be psychology, you know, all these different things, and don't limit, don't limit yourself to the rules, because the rules are Those are antiquated. Mm. And those are, you know, something, you know, kind of pushed to the side. And there is no dogma, there is no rule book for tarot. Fully noted. But then at the same time, when I'm picking up Lenormand and the same people are saying Lenormand works because you have these rules and it has this very specific system Mm -hmm. and don't, don't go off the reservation because then Lenormand doesn't work if you go off the reservation. And that didn't compute to me. I I just didn't understand how, how can the tarot be anything and everything we want it to be. But then, you know, in the same breath, we're saying Lenormand works because it fits in this, you know, this little box.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think it's, yeah, you start to remove the boxes and, you know, again, magic happens that way.
0: Well, you know, I'm a so I'm a leader for my daughter's Cub Scout group, right? Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, basically that means that like during the scouting year, once a week, I, I hang out with them and you know, and the other leaders, and we create meetings out of stuff, right? You uh-huh. know, we do things, and then a couple times we go camping and stuff like that. But the thing that's interesting about it is that. um because scouting attempts to be a child led process, right? Like right. so the, the the cubs are having a big piece of input and in deciding what's happened. And when it's time to put on a game or to do whatever, then the the cubs will decide what's gonna happen, right? And mm-hmm. so but the the reason I bring this up in relationship to Cartomancy is We have a a hall at a church. We've got some chairs. We've Mm -hmm. got about six or eight balls of various sizes. And we've got a number of people. And out of that, we play, you know, a new game every week, almost, right? I mean, they have their favorites that come back. But it's like, out of that, we play tag. Out of that, we play ball games. Out of that, we play, you know, games where, where... people are submarines and they're blindfolded and the submarine commanders are off to the side directing them and you know like all sorts of different things and but it's all the meeting and it's all the process right and i think that that's the that's the thing with with the deciding how you're going to work in a session or in whatever with cartomancy is you come up with a set of rules or, or a framework for what you're doing in that moment and then you stay within it right mm-hmm. and then you know and that may be huge and wide right it might be you know you get tagged and then you declare what game we're playing next you know i mean it could be right. like like ever shifting right but the rules give it the structure but those rules are always changeable and then those structures create different kinds of things you know more cooperative versus more competitive games you know to continue the cubs analogy right Right. So I think that that's you know that's the same with with uh, Lenormand with the, with all these other things what are the what are the things that are going to determine that and and how do you honor those within a, within a reading right so like I I never read with reversals generally speaking every right. now and then I decide that I will in a reading and I always I try to announce that ahead of time to myself. I'm like, oh, I'll with reversals in this reading just to see. Or if I'm taking a class from somebody and reversals are important, I'll be like, okay, reversals are in for this. Usually reversals are right. I just correct them, you know? And so, so it allows us to flow and play in any way we want, and they're all valuable, but none of them are true in a capital T sense because the truth is the mystery behind it all.
1: Right. And I think that's where, you know, however you want to define intuitive reading if you will um you know it's you know to that word means a lot of things to a lot of different people yeah and you know i'm a big fan of you know a strict method because i think that gives you the framework again to Mm -hmm. validate the reading and not to go too off everything i think you know some people may look at intuition as just i'm going to look at these images and just spout off what i get out of them which is one form of that to me intuition is more about understanding the rules and then it's that magic of interpreting something based off those rules you know it's that i can't where the subconscious or the brain is maybe doing the calculations faster than what your cognitive line is mm-hmm. but you're, it's still fixed on those methods i heard the analogy once of like a mechanic you know mechanic knows how to fix a car but then he can maybe drive the car, and just by the feel, the sounds, he can intuit what is maybe wrong with that car
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, without maybe going under the hood himself. And but he wouldn't be able to do that without a really firm understanding of mechanics in that engine. And to me, that's that's a real analogy that I
0: really like yeah. and otherwise, gravitate towards. Otherwise, he's the person going. So my car is going. Mm, ch- mm, yeah. Mm, ch- mm. What's that mean? You know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that would be me. Like, I go to that, me too. Like, right. My car's making the sound. I might. It might be this. I googled that. But, uh, you I know, think it's, it's on it's fire.
0: Really... I don't know. <laughs> Can right. you tell me?
1: <laughs> and and to me, that's kind of the, you know, the blind interpretation versus I'd say the the educated guess of intuition. Mm-hmm. I would say, and maybe some people might have, you know, reservations about that terminology. But you know, that's how I see it. Yeah.
0: So. Well, I, I think that that I think that that is certainly. A factor that's at play. I mean, that's, that's the power of expertise, right? That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the power of depth of experience, right? You know, and, uh, you know, the, the deeper that experience, the more, the more capable people are in every situation around whatever they're working on. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. because you've covered more of those outliers more often as opposed to like, you know, like whatever, right? People come in and they they need their oil. You're like, oh, you need your oil change. You need your oil change. Like they're basic things, right? Mm -hmm. But as time goes on, it would be like, huh, so you got this weird thing. So I bet you maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know? It's that ability to sort of uh, see where those outliers are and and work with them, just like it is with people coming for readings. You know, I came in for somebody in for a reading recently and um, they... Essentially, they, they mistook um, the way in which a spirit showed up to them, a spirit guide, mm-hmm. as a vision of somebody that they were supposed to meet. Ah. Right? Right. And for a long time, every reader that they've run into has said that it was true, right? And then, but then, you know, when when I was reading for them and engaging with them around that, I was like, no, it's not, it's this instead. And then all of a sudden things started to shift and click for them. Right. Because, yes. because, you know, people didn't have, you know, the other people didn't have the, the experience maybe to, you know, to see deeper into what was going on with those spirits or to actually communicate with that spirit directly. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that, that That kind of idea happens with card reading, and you know all those levels, the deeper we get, and the further we go so yeah definitely, hmm I do love me some magic though of course, yeah, <laughs> I'm loving it more and more every day, yeah, you actually uh you, uh you inspired something that's that's now living in the front of the store, which is uh really? i have i have a moss garden going now.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, yes, I would nice. seen a picture of of one you had, and I was like, "Oh, fascinating!" And then I was out the other day, and I found this rock that had all this moss, and I was like, "Oh, this needs to come home with me." And so nice. I set it up and created a little thing there, and it seems to be uh It's been two weeks, and everything's still alive, so I, I think it's I think it's working.
1: There you go. I have yeah. to attribute my partner to that. He's the one that uh, builds the terrariums. And oh, okay. Has the I like I have a little herb garden, but then he has much more gardening abilities Uh and so yeah we'll sit out there on the sun porch i'll read cards and he's making magic in a bottle it's yeah it's a nice little nice little fun hobbies that we have that we can do together like that
0: yeah that's awesome cool well thanks for being on the show man yeah of course people my my pleasure
1: for yeah
0: people people should come and check you out um where where are you hanging out how can they how can they find you?
1: Oh, um, I am on Facebook just under Ryan Edward or my website is inset.cards, okay. I-N-S-E-T dot cards, um, no com. So um, you can go there. It's a pretty simple site right now until so I get some more content up there. But you can get my contact information, find out the decks I'm working on, mm-hmm. purchase one if you're interested.
0: And, and on yeah. Instagram?
1: Uh, Instagram is
0: Ryan of Spades nice it's, it's a great Instagram account Ryan yeah, takes nice it, pictures and try. you should uh, if you like Lenormand type stuff check out the, the maybe Lenormand it is uh, it is charming um, we have it in the store you can get it it's a, it's a US Games publication uh, so you can kind of get it most places and Ryan is also doing these beautiful hand uh, finished ones that are just stunning so Check it out. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So summer's here. How awesome is that? And during the summer, people often find they have some more time. And one of the great things to do with that time would be to deepen your tarot skills. I know I already mentioned the courses in the introduction, but really do consider uh, picking one up. You know, do you want to learn some Marseille stuff? Has Ryan and Mai's conversation inspired you to go check that out? Whether you just want to take a course on learning how to read non-pictorial pip cards, or whether you'd rather dig in and take one of the five-session Marseille classes, learn the Toth Tarot, or any of these kinds of things, I've got a bunch of classes on all of that stuff. If you go over to thehermitslamp.com slash events, you can check them out. And uh, pretty much all of them, you can also download the audio and take it wherever you are, so you can have your deck and be up at a cottage, and relaxing or on a beach and learning all this great stuff at the same time so uh think about it jump in get excited about it and you know what learn the merseille it's a wonderful wonderful tradition thanks for listening bye bye